0: Hi, everyone. Before we begin, I just want to let you all know that this is an explicit podcast. That means we use some colorful language and talk about adult themes in each episode. If you have young children, you may want to put headphones on. Secondly, I want to make sure everyone feels welcome here. Whether you're an old Gilmore Girls fan or a new Gilmore Girls fan, we're not giving away any major spoilers, and I'm adding a lot of details to make it fun for everyone. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the show. Season 1, Episode 1, Pilot. In this first episode, we are introduced to the Gilmore Girls. Rory gets accepted into Chilton Preparatory School, but conflict arises when Rory meets the new guy in town, and her mother Lorelai seeks out her estranged parents for help. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Welcome to Stars Hollow, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Foss. Each week, I will go through each episode of Gilmore Girls into very analytical detail, probably answering questions that you never asked. But alongside me will be a friend who doesn't quite know Gilmore Girls as well as I do. And we will discuss each episode through fresh adult eyes. In the first few episodes, I will have my roommate and friend, Chrisana Tennyson, join me. Chrisana, tell me a little bit about you and your relationship with Gilmore Girls?
1: I am not a Gilmore Girls virgin. I have seen the show. I think I was like seven or eight when the early seasons were out. And I remember relating very much to Rory because she was like a super precocious, intelligent kid. My school had put me in gifted and talented classes. So I had this weird inflated sense of what I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to do. And that was really influenced by Rory. She was reading thick books and she was planning to go to Harvard. I never finished the series. As so a, you've never seen Rory go to college? I did not. I got weird about it. I was attached to a very specific version of Rory. So when she started, you know, becoming her own person and changing her mind about things, I was put off because I was a very fun child. I, well, you were
0: very young. I was a
1: very young child as well. Never finished the show. have not not seen it in its entirety. I feel a high level of familiarity with it but when I watch it I realize I don't necessarily know a lot that happens. It'll be very interesting having this conversation with you and just kind of having your like extreme expertise with my kind of fresh eyes. Where are you coming from with this series? What's your history with Gilmore Girls?
0: I am coming from a longtime OG veteran perspective. I started watching Gilmore Girls in the year 2000 when I was also 15. I was the same age as Rory when Gilmore Girls came out. So I really do feel like I grew up with Rory. Even when the revival came out and I saw her struggles that she was going to in her 30s, And I was very much able to relate to her on that level. So for me, this is a show that I've literally been watching for how many years? (laughs) How many years, Rachel? I don't want (laughs) to. They they can do the math themselves, okay? It was two thousand, and it's two thousand twenty now. So this is obviously a show I know very very well. So I have a lot of knowledge. I have a lot of background knowledge. Not to gloat too much, but I am a local Chicago Gilmer Girl trivia champion. Yes, that's right. I accept gifts of all kinds oh my um, in my honor. Gauntlet thrown <laughs> for our Chicago listeners. So because of that, I'm going to be going through this rewatch, trying to pick out details that I would have missed just casually watching over the years. You know, I really want to get into the nitty gritty of who these people are, what's happening in the background, the little details in the show. Maybe you don't normally notice stuff that is really fun for Gilmore girl fans to kind of listen to and pick out. This is going to be a pretty interesting show with our dynamics, and I'm very much looking forward to this. Great. Let's turn on the show. All right, let's get into it. Here we go. The pilot episode that aired on October 5th, 2000. The episode opens and we hear There She Goes by The Laws. A fun fact, this was not the original pilot. The first one actually starred Nathan Weatherington as Dean and Alex Borstein as Suki. Oh my goodness.
1: Going back, is Nathan Wetherington um, hotter than actual Dean or not? Nah?
0: I would say he looks like your average 2000 teenager. <laughs> what is, okay, fine. If you're going to put it like that, now I feel like a creeper. Fine. Fine. Th- think about it when you were a teenager it's, and then I it's fine. Know.
1: I think I liked Dean when I was a teenager. I that. did too,
0: but i are well, not a teenager a We kid. don't, we don't need to get into that therapy session now. Long time Girl More Girls fans also might notice that in the beginning of the pilot, Stars Hollow looks way different than it ever will again. That's because this was actually filmed in Unionville, Ontario, Canada. And it wasn't until after the series got picked up that it was filmed on the Warner Brothers lot. Throughout the episode, you can tell that they're on the lot. So I don't really know how that works. That lot is there permanently. It's been in other shows in the past. It's been in shows in the future. Gossip Girl filmed there. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's still there to this day. Just started doing a Gilmore Girls Christmas luncheon at Christmas time. Oh my god! I kind of wonder if they're going to do it again this year with quarantine
1: going on. Also, I googled Nathan Wetherington. He's goofier looking, but... <laughs> He's goofy looking, and he looks less earnest, so he would not have made a better dean. So I think they made the right decision.
0: <laughs> we see her, the stars, hollow sign. Founded in seventeen seventy nine. I also just
1: wanna say, to your point about this
0: being a different lot and a different looking town, this
1: town looks a lot grittier. It has a lot less of like the manic pixie dream town energy. It's um it's like a town I've been to. It's like a real town. Like a real place, which which it is. I I don't know if I like that more or less. I'm not sure. Also, there being a mystery other pilot. Where's that?
0: Like, do we know where that is? Yeah, you can find it around like on YouTube and on the internet. Have we found it? I've seen it. Yeah. That's going to be a very special episode. It's mostly Um, just the clips of the people who aren't in it anymore, though. Well, I don't think it's the whole episode.
1: I would like to dedicate a special
0: episode (laughs) episode to seeing that. We'll see. All right, so we pan over and we see a woman walking across the street. Who, we have Who who that be? That is our very first Gilmore girl. That is Lorelai Gilmore played by the amazing Lauren Graham. I'm a big fan of her work. I also just want to give a quick shout out because one of my favorite things Lauren Graham has ever done is her book Talking as Fast as I Can, and I just recommend it to any Lauren Graham fan or any Gilmore girls fan to get the audiobook. She's the one reading it. She talks about Gilmore Girls. She talks about parenthood. Um, It's really, really good. And she talks like she's talking to you and you've been best friends for years. All right. So Lorelai walks into Luke's. She comes up to the counter and we hear the very first words of the show. Please, Luke, please, please, please.
1: Yeah, and Lorelai is begging Luke because she has a, a coffee problem, as Luke points out. She has already had five cups of coffee already this day, and she's coming in for the sixth. He calls her a junkie. Do you want money or not, Luke? Don't yeah, question what's, me. what's
0: your deal? He is so curmudgeon-y. But, He's I love curmudgeon. Uh, you
1: know though. what? I relate. I, I lo- get it. I don't think I am a curmudgeon, but I am attracted to <laughs> So, And I would be attracted to Luke at this moment. I am uh, attracted um, to Luke the, in this the, movie. The American flag is throwing me off. Oh my gosh. There's an American flag on his hat.
0: Y'all, people uh-huh. out there know Luke's hat plays an important role in this show. And in this pilot, Luke is wearing a hat with an American flag. That is wrong on many levels. Mm-hmm. But most importantly to the fact that we know that that hat never shows up again.
1: I didn't know that Luke's hat played a large role in the show. I knew he always had it. Like I know he always wears it, but like, is there like some other... like? Well, I can't reveal that. You cannot reveal Spoilers! Spoiler alert! He begrudgingly goes to get a cup of coffee for Lorelai.
0: So, also, Luke is played by Scott Patterson. Here's a fun fact, Chrisana. Did you know that before Scott Patterson was an actor, he was actually a professional baseball player? I did
1: not know that, but I am jealous that he has managed to have two successful careers. (laughs) And I'm still working on the first one, but hey, good for him. You good know what? Guys.
0: Not all of us can be we Scott try. Patterson. Jesus. Yeah. I do want to point out that he has these blue lanterns in the window. And oh. I have one right over there on the mantle. Oh. The wow. same lanterns. Oh. Here's something fun. I've never noticed this before, but in the background you can see Luke's specials. The specials today are cream of tomato soup, roasted chicken sandwich, and main course. Hot turkey.
1: Hot turkey. (laughs) Hot turkey. Hot
0: turkey. Also, I want to point out this amazing sign that is on the counter. I don't know why. I'm going to hope and assume it's because they're in a hardware store. But the sign says, Grow better calves faster. We're eating here, Luke. We don't want to see this shit. We
1: don't want to be reminded of (laughs) the dark side of what we're doing, which
0: is consuming meat in a hardware store. Oh, here comes creepy guy, a.k.a. Joey, a.k.a. spiky-haired Joe. Joey is played by Bama Morix.
1: I think you meant to call him Jack Kerouac, no?
0: Let me do Joey. Yeah.
1: Mystery woman. Our guy Joey's putting the moves on Lorelei. This was back when people met in person rather than on Tinder. And if this is what that looked like, probably
0: one of the few times I'm okay with Tinder. I'm pretty happy with Tinder <laughs> if, if my other option is Creepy Haired Joe. Yes. So
1: Creepy Haired Joe, he's coming on to Lorelei. She is not feeling it, but she does make fun of him by calling him Jack Kerouac. Which and goes
0: all the way over his spicy not, hair. He does
1: not know who Jack Kerouac is. He's wearing like a mountain man jacket, but he does not know who Jack. Kerouac
0: is. Yeah, and he's a white man. I'm surprised he didn't right. obsess with that. Right.
1: What has he been doing? How have he spent his teenage <laughs> years? Where did he get his identity from? He has been reading beat poetry and using it to pick up women. I mean, if he read beat poetry, maybe he would have more luck in his pickup game.
0: Hey, it's Rory, Rory Gilmore, played by Alexis Bledel. Alexis looks so 15 here, but she's actually 18, which is bonkers because she looks like a baby. Also, did you know that Alexis Bledel is not a native English speaker? She was raised in a a full Spanish speaking home. Both of her parents are Latinx. I had no idea. She did not learn English until she started school.
1: Rory's coming in. She is pissy because A, she doesn't have her lip gloss. B, she hasn't had coffee yet. And C, where the fuck is her Macy
0: Gray CD? I know where it is. Where? Where is it? It's, it's in Lorelai's purse. Oh my God. Why is she carrying a CD around her oh purse? purse? Maybe she had a, a disc Walkman. A disc man. Yeah. That's what
1: this episode is missing.
0: There's also a really great RuPaul reference because apparently RuPaul wears a lot of lip gloss according this, to Rory. This is
1: pre-fracking RuPaul. Yeah, this
0: is pre-fracking RuPaul.
1: Rory's pissed because she doesn't have coffee. Lorelai's like, I got you, girl. She goes back up to the counter, you know, ask another cup of coffee. Luke is shaming her as he does throughout the series. It's not even for her. It's for her daughter. She turns around and here we have good old Mr. Joey slash Jack Kerouac putting the moves on her clearly underage
0: daughter. Yeah. Again, we know that Alexis is 18, but she looks 15. I'm looking at it through an adult eyes now, but she looks so young. There's no way she looks over 18 to anybody. No, not at all. And also how offensive
1: to have someone hit on you and then seconds later they're hitting on someone else like immediately was I not special to you? (laughs)
0: okay I, I'm offended No, I on behalf of Lorelai I believe you and I'm on behalf of spiky Hair Joe I apologize uh, please also let's talk about how yes he wasn't told right away how old she was but she did say this is my daughter and he still tried to be like well I have a friend okay buddy so you're telling me you want to do like a foursome with a mom and daughter thing maybe he got confused because before he officially found out Rory was
1: underage she says and I quote are you my dad daddy which he might have interpreted
0: as some kind of come on she's 16 which she is not she is 15 and we know that because in a couple episodes it's her 16th birthday and also it's october 5th and rory's birthday is october 8th so i'm sorry
1: wait but does that make her a libra or a scorpio she's a libra can we circle back
0: around to macy gray Macy Gray. I
1: don't remember the name of that song, but I know that it was a great song and that games I love
0: it. changes. I and love. Fears. You know what? When I was
1: a kid, like she has such a, like a husky voice, and when I was a kid, I was not responding to it. But now, when I hear that song, I like love that song. It was a pretty popular. It song. It was a popular old. It was song. a back when well, I was. Well, up. you know, kids are mean, but I love that song now. Her voice
0: sounds like a warm blanket. Yeah, it's also called "I Try." And the I whole, try. And I remember the music video. I think I, I, honestly, never, I never saw the music. Video. Correct me if I'm wrong, I have not watched her music video in preparation for this podcast, but I believe she's like on a bus. It's just like very positive. It's a really good vibe music video, so that's why I think of that song as like, she is a good vibe.
1: Because you know what? Her voice was not like in the zeitgeist. Like, that was not the kind of thing that was super popular and that producers were necessarily looking for in the mainstream, but she was like, you know what? This is my voice. My throat chakra is clear. I'm just gonna be myself and I'm gonna lay it all out. I don't care what any of y'all people think. I have my art. I need to release it. Maybe Laura like, carries the Macy Gray CD in her purse as a good luck charm.
0: This is a perfect segue into the theme song. First time we hear the theme song that we all know and love, Where You Lead, I Will Follow, is by Carol King. Uh, Mm -hmm. Carol King does reappear in the later seasons, which is really cool. What's really fun is Amy Sherman Palladino. Throughout this show, so many of the references and things that happen are because it is so Amy. It is all Amy. Mm -hmm. It's like people from Amy's past, people who are Amy's friends, people who Amy admired. Or things that she likes, you know, mm. like books and movies. So she was very heavily influenced by Carol King growing up. So of course, if she could pick a person to do the theme song of her show, she's going to do Carol King. Oh Independence Inn, Michelle speaking. My Go back <laughs> to the first one. Oh my goodness! So the Independence Inn is actually a private home in California. So mm. it is off limits to people who want to travel around and look at Gummer Girls locations. Yes, it's off limits, and it's also
1: off limits to the customer that Michelle is arguing with over the phone, who is insisting on getting a room at the end, even though he told her uh, 5,000 times that the rooms are definitely full. And she asked him to double check as if he isn't looking straight at the book.
0: Don't you hate it when customers do that. No, I'm sorry, but completely boo. I love it though. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh. Michelle is played by Yannick Truesdale, who is actually French Canadian. He's not from Paris, as his character later claims, but that's okay because I love French Canada. And I love Michelle.
1: We have Rory ambling into the inn, up to the counter where her mom criticizes her clothing choice and refers to her oversized white sweater as a muumuu. That's not how I saw it. Also, I really love muumus; they're extremely comfortable.
0: Also, in 2000, that was a look. Pretty fashionable now. Yeah, right, as long as you wear like a tight leg. Yeah, you, it's all about balance. We didn't have tight legs in 2000. We had <laughs> <So> wide legs. <laughs> true. It was very very. True. We had the low rise, and we had wide. Oh, legs. don't get me started on low rise. That's no? a whole other podcast. And it's- <laughs> upsetting <laughs> oh so anyway i remember so
1: barry comes in Lorelai's like oh give michelle your french homework he can look over it oh here michelle here's my french homework it's due tomorrow i just feel like her tone was like kind of demanding i'm not sure why i was triggered by her treatment of Michelle in this particular scene. But I think it's because, first of all, if you want me to do you a favor, you need to give me a good window of time. I don't know how long your paper is, you want me to get extremely specific about punctuation, then you think you're gonna butter Michelle up by saying, I'll tell all the women what a stub you are. There's no planet in which everyone doesn't know that Michelle is gay. No planet.
0: Unfortunately, that doesn't come out until the revival. It does not. I think they play off Michelle's queerness as being French I mean, I have never sat down and had coffee with this actor Mm -hmm. or with Amy Sherman Palladino, but just based on the life that I have lived with him, I would call him probably bisexual or at least spectrum. I guess they never
1: do say he's gay. They say he's marrying a guy. Yeah, he
0: married a man. So he could be bisexual, pansexual.
1: First of all, I don't want
0: to label Michelle.
1: Okay, I will not label Michelle, but I will Sexuality is a
0: moving spectrum. I think that's interesting how you mm-hmm. feel about Rory coming into that. I don't necessarily think that she was trying to be rude, but I just, I just read it as rude. No, that's, that's fine that you read it that way. The thing is that Rory yeah. literally would have known Michelle since she was born. In the metrics of this show, I know mm-hmm. that Michelle was there when Lorelai started working there. So they've been working at the Independence Inn for a long time. Oh, literally okay. almost Rory's whole life. I guess she was one when they moved over there yeah so Rory literally grew up with Michelle she probably treats him like a cousin or an older brother it does make sense to me and it also makes sense why Lorelai also treats him that way when you've worked together for 15 years you gotta be that way otherwise you either murder each other or what right <laughs> so
1: it like... well I don't want to give mm-hmm. anything away
0: mm-hmm. spoilers Rory and her best friend, Lane. What is the actress's name? Kiko Ajina. Arguably, like, the best character of the show. I would fight someone over it. I would fight for Lane. Might be my favorite character. Well, Emily might be. Ooh. Might be Lane. I related so much to Lane growing up. But yeah, Lane is played by Kiko Ajina, who is Lane Kim, a Korean person, but Mm -hmm. she is not. She is Japanese-American, born in Honolulu. This is not a podcast about race- But it does annoy me when Asian characters are just blended into each other on TV and film. There's Korean actresses out there. And Mm -hmm. I'm happy that she is Lane, but come on. Also I was twenty seven when she Oh my god. (laughs) same age
1: as you. Oh my God, she's 27 and on an iconic television show what am I doing?
0: Yeah I do think that's hilarious because even just as an actress she has to play a 15 year old and she does such a good job. In fairness if she's at all like me and I give her the credit of not being like me
1: but if she were at all like me I have the maturity of a 15 year old so for me it wouldn't have been that
0: much of a stretch. Well Lane's character is based on and inspired by Amy Sherman Palladino's friend and co-producer of the show Helen Pye. She actually it has a lot of attributes to the show about how Lane is wearing a Woodstock 98 oh actually yeah we can well no she's too young to have gone plus her mom would have let her go there's no fucking way she would have gone so
1: how'd you get that shirt then
0: good question
1: thrift store online shopping wasn't really a thing in 2000 We didn't have- It wasn't like a thing. I'm sure there was some version of it that an enterprising teen could have slid into.
0: Possibly.
1: Anyway, we learn that Lane's mom does not approve of rock and roll or Eminem, but she does approve of young men who are aspiring to be doctors, which is why she has set up Lane on a date to go to the teen hayride and meet this strapping young gentleman who will one day hopefully be Lane's husband.
0: Also, I do think it's funny that they bring up Eminem Because this would have been just post Slim Shady. And it was pre-Marshall Mathers LP. So that hadn't come out yet. I was really into Eminem. I was like
1: never like really into Eminem, but there were like a few hits I remember from like when I would spend summers at my aunt's house and I was allowed to listen to
0: As Rory and Lane are walking to school, this is clearly the Warner Brothers set. And you can tell by the background and you can see the gazebo. I don't know if this is- This does
1: feel like Stars Hollow now. Yeah. As they walk and Rory makes- a somewhat crude joke about bundles of hay up people's butts (laughs) um they pass by what can only be described as a cool teen he's leaning against the wall outside wearing a leather jacket i think cool is a strong word cool we don't know who he is mysterious people are automatically more cool because we don't know what's wrong
0: with him and of course he has the quintessential year 2000 white male haircut parted down the middle Yeah, And straight on the side. Long enough that he
1: can toss it to the side if he needs to, but not too long. He is leaning against the wall. Our hero and her friend are walking through the front doors. And he fully swivels his head as she passes by, either because of her ethereal beauty or because he really enjoyed her vulgar joke or because he enjoyed the juxtaposition of the two. I think it's the vulgar joke. It's the vulgar joke, yes. And then like when he swivels his head back, his mouth is literally like open, which I thought was interesting because I don't think I've ever seen anyone in the flesh that left me with my mouth physically open.
0: I think I might have. Who was it? I was in the center of Logan Square and there was this gorgeous woman on a moped and it was on Mm. our way to work. So it was at like 7 30 in the morning. And she was on a moped wearing a white dress and she looked so fashionable. She had like gold jewelry on, she wore black shades, and she looked like a chic goddess. But she was like also on a moped. And I remember stopping in my tracks and being like, wow. I was like, that is my goals. That lady is my goal. That makes sense. I do tend to run into more
1: hashtag goal women in the real world than I do, you know, romantic partners who make me open my mouth. They're in Rory's classroom and the teacher says either finish your last few chapters of Mark Twain, Huckleberry Finn, or start your writing assignment. And there's four girls sitting in front of Rory. One of them pulls out a bottle that at first I thought was a sniffing agent, but it's actually nail polish. She opens the lid, paints one stroke onto one finger, not the whole finger, one stroke, one finger, then she passes it to her friend. Then her friend does the same thing, passes it to their friend. What are you doing? Yeah, was that a thing back then?
0: I don't remember that ever being a thing. Well, why what wh- what would it signify? <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe it's almost kind of like being like blood sisters, but we have the same nail polish. Do you but- think it was blood? <laughs> no, but Rory does later say that it had sparkles. So I don't know. I'm wondering if they each put it on a different finger to uh-huh. signify we're all in this together. We're like different fingers on the same hand. I don't know. It bothers me every time. I'm very disturbed. I never noticed this. I don't know what they're doing. They're passing around this light nail polish.
1: Rory is being a diligent student and, and starting her work right away. The longer I watch this, I know you don't feel the same way. I am starting to be upset by her sweater. It's like the sweater is wearing her. Like a yarn monster. it, It
0: does look so cozy. And if it's a chilly fall Connecticut morning, I bet it's amazing. Also, let's talk about Slam Book, which I love because it's got to be the most 2000-y reference in this episode, other than Macy Gray. Mean Girls would have come out a little bit after this, which is kind of fun. I don't know if I just went to a chill high school, but it really wasn't like that. And I played sports. I was in band. I was in art. The people I knew were the people in my classes. It wasn't clicky. I mean, it was clicky in the sense that you just were with your friends.
1: The way that my high school differed, there were cliques. But I will say what doesn't ring true in the high school movies, the drama tends to be between groups. Whereas I feel like in my high school, the drama tended to be within groups. Yeah, that was never
0: a thing. Interesting. Well, that was our segment, Mm -hmm. High School Memories. One thing I do want to point out before we end this scene is the teacher in this scene is Crazy Carrie. Longtime fans will notice her as a character that pops up later as Crazy Carrie or Carrie Duncan, played by Jill Brenna. But in this episode, her character title is Mrs. Tracer. So she is not even pretending to be Carrie Duncan right now.
1: Interesting.
0: Oh, we'll see that a lot. Amy Sherman recycling. loves recycling people. Recycling people, that's a sinister. No, that didn't mean to sound sinister. Sun is dark I know but... as it came oh, out. Oh no, I
1: love finding darkness, Mary
0: Kate. Lorelei hears a crash and runs into the kitchen to find Suki St. James on the floor. Suki is played by Melissa McCarthy. Oh, I love Melissa McCarthy so much. Let me ask you a question real quick. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with Melissa McCarthy's work outside of Gilmore Girls? I know of Mike and Molly. And I know of a variety of movies that I've either seen or heard of. But, oh, she's in Bridesmaids, right? She is. I will say that my favorite Melissa McCarthy thing outside of Gilmore Girls is when she played Sean Spicer on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh, I remember. Okay. I remember that. I remember that. That was, that was well done. That was well done. I think I it's that. one of the yeah. best things that's ever happened in history. Lorelei walks in.
1: Everything's on the floor. Suki's on the floor. Lorelai is like, hey, can you stop? But Suki shuts her up by feeding her syrupy fruit sauce that apparently is so good. Lorelai is saying diabetics are going to line up for it. When mm. they open their new inn, Lorelai and Suki aspire to have their own inn one day, which tells me this is not Lorelai's inn that
0: she owns. She's just a boss or something. It's cool that that comes up in the pilot episode. I
1: was surprised by how jam-packed this episode was because it really does provide a like, lot. A lot. lot of, a, a, a lot, lot of about the
0: characters. As far as pilots go, it- does a pretty good job. Suki's on the floor,
1: and then Lorelai's gonna yell at the cook for not watching Suki. Am I mistaken? Is Suki the boss of the kitchen? She sure is so
0: then why can't, why is she, why is he supposed to be babysitting her? Something that we know throughout the show and that is just a fact about her character mm-hmm. is that Suki is a very genius and talented chef. This just happens to be in a situation where her job is in an inn. She probably didn't want to go to someplace fancy. She probably didn't want to work in New York or L.A. Mm-hmm. or, you know, move to the Netherlands and work at Noma. She wanted to live in her town, in a small country town in Connecticut with near her family. Mm-hmm. She found a great job in an inn, being able to run a kitchen and do whatever she wants. She is a talented chef. And that is the premise. So they're going to cater to her as a person who has worked in fine dining. Trust me, Suki is much nicer than any chef I've ever worked for in my life. I will say, though, that she is a huge insurance liability. Okay, question. So in these kitchens that you work for, has anyone ever been
1: as clumsy as Suki?
0: No, but I will say that even when the chef messes up, it's still your fault but he's the boss and I say he because I've only ever worked for a male shot. Well, that sucks. Next scene, we are walking, I'm assuming out of school into Kim's antiques with Lane. Something I want to point out to everyone here, I only noticed this on this rewatch for the very first time This is how we know that they're kind of splicing possibly the two different pilots together and definitely two different sets. So you see Rory and Lane walking into Kim's Antiques. They're clearly on the Warner Brothers lot. Mm -hmm. They're in Stars Hollow. You walk up to the porch. It's a very cute little Connecticut country house. Kim's Antiques right there. But as soon as it changes perspective and they're walking in, Mm -hmm. it's a totally different set. The outside has changed. The porch is different. And there's a sign that says not... Kim's antiques, but the glass chimney. Kim's art and antiques. So yeah. I'm wondering if that's from the original pilot and that's from Unionville. And then mm-hmm. they did this later. I just thought that was a funny catch.
1: If they're splicing the pilot together with the old pilot, what I would like to see is old Dean <laughs> show up in some of the later scenes. How fun How fun would it be if like every other time you saw Dean as a different actor? And it was just like be very funny. confusing and disorienting. I would love that.
0: Walking through Kim's antiques, playing Marco Polo. We finally find Mrs. Kim, Lane's mom. Mrs. Kim is played by Emily Kuroda. Again, everybody, she is Japanese American. She was born in California. Her parents were Japanese.
1: California gang gang. Chrisana's
0: from California. I'm one
1: of those people who is from California and constantly brings up that they're from California, which I'm being made to understand is annoying. No.
0: But allow me to annoy you again. That's okay. I bring up that I'm from Michigan, don't I? Yeah, you do. You do bring up. Yeah, Yeah. it's fine. Rachel's from Michigan. Yeah, I'm from Michigan. She's from California. We live in Chicago. We have hometown pride. Yeah. That's a good thing. Michigander for life, even though it sucks there. Anyway. (laughs) That got dark. There's something important I have to say to you, Chrisana. Yes. Boys don't like funny girls. God damn it. First of all, that's a lie. Boys do like funny girls. Case in point, Dean from earlier. Chuckled at the (laughs) vulgar joke? Yes. Secondly, why would Mrs. Kim want you to know what boys like? Because she doesn't want Lane to talk to boys. But... Lane is going to talk to a boy at the hayride. That's true. She's
1: coaching her for the date.
0: She's coaching her for future Korean doctor husbands. Yeah. So maybe future Korean doctor husbands don't like funny girls. We open this scene, this
1: next scene, with the sight of a cleaver slamming down to the counter, almost cutting off not just Suki's fingers, but also the cook's fingers. All right, this kitchen is a slapstick nightmare, okay? <laughs> Suki, she she almo- she almost swings around. She almost hits a guy with the skillet. She shoves one large pot off of the, what, the shelf thing with another large pot, flinging things everywhere. She hits her cook in the head and knocks him to the ground. And in the midst of all this... She got the nerve to correct this man's English. He said, it's in the counter. She said, it's on the counter. Bitch, it's wherever I say it is. You almost killed me.
0: Is this the price of genius? You are hot right now. You are hot on this topic. Is this the price of genius? (laughs) Okay, look, I hate this slapstick version of Suki. And I am mm-hmm. so glad that they nipped that in the bud after this episode. I, I did not know it's, that would be the case because I am yeah. very disturbed. Now, not completely. It often will throw back. But this is really the only time it's going to be this extreme. Thank goodness. It's also really upsetting that this is happening to a staff that is all people of color. Yep. Yep. That we know is very common in the food industry, Mm -hmm. but is in the middle of country Connecticut. Come on, everybody. Obviously, I had very strong feelings about this. Oh, I heard. (laughs) I guess I I was screaming...
1: Yes. What comes up for me a lot in this episode is we give a lot of space to people that we consider to be artistic geniuses Mm -hmm. to be inconsiderate, unkind, malevolent. Oh, we say that a lot. That's what this brought up for me. Obviously, Suki is not a man, but that is possibly a lifelong injury that this cook has suffered because she is smacking to the ground. It is obviously slapstick. So maybe
0: I'm being like, but that's something to even talk about there because this is not a slapstick comedy show exactly it's very it jarred. doesn't fit and it's weird i think that that's why they nip that in the bud yeah. later because it's like this doesn't work with the vibe of the show
1: i don't know if the cook is undocumented but if he is not hello lawsuit yeah how much money she's bringing in with her genius that isn't being lost with well um, insurance we, claims as, and as we know
0: yeah as we know uh-huh I'm sorry, we are completely booked. Oh my God. Are are you done ranting about I'll never be done, but we can continue. (laughs) Um, Then Rory comes in and we find out that Rory got into Chilton Preparatory. Clearly a very fancy elite school because she wants to go to Harvard and this is going to help get her in. I do want to say something about this scene because it has one of my favorite quotes of this episode. I'll make cookies, Protestants love oatmeal. When I heard that, it cracks me up.
1: Rory comes in, she finds out that she's getting into Chilton. This is the scene that established for me that Rory is a hater. Before Rory walks in, Lorelai says, she jokingly implies that she would have fucked the principal to get Rory into Chilton. Rory walks in, she finds out she gets into Chilton. Then she's like, did you sleep with the principal? Um, no, but also like, Dude, you are 15. I am your mother. Before she says that, she walks in. Her mom and Suki are happy. Then she automatically assumes, oh, did you do something slutty? What if I didn't do something slutty? It's not any
0: of your business. No I'm happy. I guess it's a discussion of it's good because Lorelai is clearly very open with her daughter about sexuality Mm -hmm. and sex. And that is a good thing Mm -hmm. to the point where they can be open with each other. Yeah. Or is this a situation in which... Lorelei is playing the part of the teenager and Rory has to be the parent because she has to keep her mother in check all the time.
1: I think this is definitely the first of likely a million times in this podcast that I will bring up the word boundaries because you're right they have such a great and loving and free relationship but how much of that is facilitated by weak boundaries. And then she says I'm going to need a Britney Spears video in like a derisive way. That would be an honor because Britney Spears is an icon and a hero. Okay. You're put off by like errant nail polish. You're put off by joy. You're put off by plaid skirts that remind you of Britney Spears. What do you have to say about that?
0: I mean, so relatable. That's just who I was. If it was popular, I hated it. If it was underground, I was cool because I liked it. That's just uh, how I always was. When I went to college, I was the same But, I mean, in the year 2000, I was a sophomore. I would have considered myself way too old for Britney Spears. Oh,
1: interesting. um, Because Britney Spears came out when I
0: was in junior high. So, in my mind, I would have equated that with something that was from junior high, which means I'm too old for that now. You know what I mean? So, I can understand. Again, Rory and I were the same age. Mm -hmm. We were both 15 at that time. We definitely would have known all of her work. And don't get me wrong. I was bopping to, oops, I did it again. In public, though? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, we would talk about it all the time with my with my girlfriends. Okay. Okay. okay How okay. much we loved her album. Oh, everybody had it. But once I was 15, I wasn't listening to Britney Spears anymore. I was way too cool for that by then.
1: So I get it. Okay, Rory, you passed this time. Also, at the end of the scene, Suki's doing this celebratory dance, which would have been very cute and endearing if it hadn't ended with her throwing a towel onto the stove that was on and starting what appears to be yet another fire. (laughs) And also, I just want to say that when Lorelai walks in to give Suki the news, I don't remember, did Lorelai see Suki knock out the cook with the skillet?
0: Yep, she sure did. And she was not at all phased by that. She was slightly phased, but then moved on back into the lobby of the Independence Inn. We see Michelle
1: ignoring the phone, relatable. Lorelai comes in, you know, ask why he isn't answering the phone. Michelle says, I need to take a break from my mental health. He doesn't say it like that, but that is a subtext. But also what he's saying is true. People are being stupid. Well, guess what everybody, people are stupid. Pretty consistent. First time that I watched this scene, I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that level of intensity. But the second time I watched it, I'm actually really impressed because Lorelai basically threatens Michelle with unemployment if he doesn't answer the phone. And then she flicks out a letter opener that actually looks like a very fancy knife and looks very threatening and is kind of frightening. I just want to say that this scene coming right after the violent Suki scene made me feel like maybe this show was going to go in a darker direction. I think it ultimately (laughs) ended up going in. In the next scene, we see Lorelai on the phone with a representative from Shilton, begging them to let her pay for only part of the tuition before Rory starts. Now Lorelai has, it sounds like, just until Monday to figure out a way to get, I don't know, 5000 50000 it's not clear. I think it's 5000 That was a lot of money. Lorelai makes a joke about robbing a bank that does not land with our Shelton representative friend. And you know, the scene ends in a little bit of despair.
0: So what's funny about this scene is that we are introduced to the Gilmore girls house for the very first time. And it is so weird because it is very clean and nice. And that is not how their house looks <laughs> in episodes following. It, everything looks very put together. It does look a little bit different. I honestly cannot tell if this is the Gilmore Girls house set that we will see continuously because I don't recognize I, this room. No, I I know it. It's just it's set up differently. The couch is in the different spot, but I can't tell if that's their fireplace. I know that they have a bookend in the corner like that, but it's it's just set up really weird. Mm-hmm. It just looks a little bit differently. So I'd have to call Warner Brothers and ask them and I'm not going to, but we'll see. We'll see how tomorrow looks. But yeah, I just thought it was so funny because this scene has the house looking so like perfectly country decorated and everything looks nice and new. And that is not how. I mean, she has a freaking monkey lap later. Wait, what? A monkey lamp. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Um, and like the couch has a couch cover on it later, and it looks like total shit and old. After Lorelai gets off the phone, you look behind her and you see these photos of them on the mantle. One of the photos is of Lorelai and Rory in Luke's, and in this version of Luke's, not the later versions. What are we supposed to make of that? I don't know. I just think it was a funny detail to point out.
1: picture i'm Wait gonna me, assume Luke.
0: next we cut to lorelei and suki on the
1: porch discussing lorelei's dilemma where is she going to get the money she doesn't have a lot of options suki offers to give lorelei her car to sell lorelei says that no one's gonna want suki's car I'm assuming it's because Suki's been in a lot of accidents.
0: <laughs> I didn't think about that, but you might be right. I
1: feel that I am 100% correct. Oh, no. Um,
0: but she she does think there's got to be a very obvious option. And Suki's trying to bring it up, but she's like, nope, nope. And we know what it's about to happen, but it hasn't come up yet. But then, of course, Rory comes in. Rory is clearly a very modest person. Which is a wonderful thing. It's fine. And, and also, she's very Libra, meager, and
1: passive. Another important thing about Librans is focus on aesthetics which she doesn't really. So far in this episode I don't think that's
0: happening I don't think Rory her. ever really does. So yeah she offers to hem Rory's skirt because it's just a little bit too long and Lorelai wants to spice it up a little bit. Suki asks if they have any pate. Why would they have pate? Lorelai says it's at jaja Gabor's house. Is this a dated reference? When someone says jaja Gabor I think of a very glamorous older woman. Well that's correct. Jaja Gabor was an actress and a socialite in the 60s and 70s. That's kind of like a saying. I didn't know if that was still what the kids were saying these. Well, so don't ask I wanna, me. I'm not a kid. I don't know. <laughs> I want to make sure everyone out there understands all the references. I did know who Zsa Zsa Gabor is, so I just wanted to make sure. But yes, she was known as being very extravagant mm-hmm. and rich, like flamboyant in her wealth. So at the end of this scene, we know something's about to happen because Lorelai just looks very dark. And it pans into her as a child in front of a mansion. Actually, her outfit is so cute in that picture. Mm-hmm. I would wear this outfit now. But you can tell she's clearly coming from a place of money. We hear a song, That's Where the Colors Don't Go, by Sam Phillips. Sam Phillips is the musical artist that does pretty much all of the Gilmore Girls music other than the same song. So we will hear Sam Phillips in every single episode. Cutting to
1: her, sitting crouched against her jeep, drinking coffee out of a paper cup, looking very trepidatious. Seconds later, she's at the door and who opens it
0: but one Emily Gilmore played by Kelly Bishop, who's an amazing actress. Kelly Bishop and Edward Herman are so, I mean, every performer in this show is good and excellent, but Mm -hmm. they are on another level.
1: I was very impressed with the woman that answered that door. She's very regal. Her clothing choices are very, I wouldn't say necessarily fancy in this instance,
0: but- Chic. She's very chic, very fashionable, very much not Lorelai. Even though this is the first episode of Gilmore Girls, this is the oldest that Emily Gilmore will ever look. Her hairstyle and just the way she carries herself, she looks like an old lady. After this episode, they better put together. If I look this
1: good when I'm old, then I will be very pleased. She
0: and Lorelai walk into um,
1: the sitting rooms, that what people call it, the sitting room. The drawing room. The drawing room, and they continue to make stilted small talk. Lorelai talks about how she was just stopping by on the way home from her business class. Is she actually in a business class? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that wasn't entirely a lie. No, that will come up later in the show. Okay. She's asking Emily about her bridge friends. Her bridge friends are old. Emily asks Lorelai, "Would you like some tea?" And Lorelai responds with, "I would love some coffee, even though she was just drinking it out in the driveway." Well, we know that she has a problem. <laughs> What do you make of the the tea
0: versus coffee moment? She's just telling her how she feels. Is there not like a war between tea people and like coffee people? I don't think so because I like tea as well. And also I know for a fact that Emily Gilmore likes coffee. Okay. But I know that Lorelai does not like tea. Interesting. I am a coffee person first, but I do enjoy tea, but very specific kinds of tea and mm-hmm. only sometimes. And I know people who don't really like coffee, but will drink it on special occasions. Like if they're in Europe. That makes sense.
1: When Emily says, would you like tea? We're associating Emily with tea. Tea is refined, yeah, it's oh, elegant, fancy. it's fancy. It's okay. Tea, elegance, refined. Lorelai, coffee, we're, we're zany, we're, we're energetic. I thought that writing did a good job of illustrating the major differences between the two characters before
0: we learn more about them. You can tell that Lorelai is nervous and very anxious and I bet coffee makes her feel better. Emily, I'm home. Here comes Richard Gilmore played by Edward Herman. Again, I mentioned him when I was talking about Kelly Bishop, but Edward Herman is just he's he's a legend. I'll probably go into talking about Edward Herman a little bit more emotionally later. Edward Herman did pass. Yeah. And he passed the same year as my grandfather. Oh, so there's a dude. there's a lot of I you know growing up with Rory being on the same level it's just I'm I'm not going to talk about it right now cuz I don't want to cry in the first episode but Edward Herman means a lot to me and Richard means a lot to me so
1: they are incredible this scene is very incredible Richard walks in to the conversation that Emily and Lorelai are having is surprised that Lorelai is there even though it's not Christmas earlier Emily expressed a surprise that Lorelai is there even though it's not Easter so we're seeing that Lorelai is only dropping by on the major holidays which I get I'm also that daughter Lorelai says that oh I was just stopping by Edward's not buying that bullshit. He knows she's coming for the bag.
0: We are getting right away the sense of what their relationship is like. And we don't even have the details yet. Anybody who's had a relationship with their parents like that. Mm -hmm. Some of us can relate. And again, I won't get into that now, but. I definitely understand this relationship very well. So it makes a lot of sense. My parents are not as cold as no, Emily no, no, and Richard no, no, no. by Richard by a mile, but we have this very clear sense of their relationship. We understand right away that Richard and Emily have a lot of money. Lorelai is not involved in their life and vice versa. So this is very shocking to everyone and that's why it's so uncomfortable. Literally have nothing to talk about because they don't talk to each other. That could be the only reason that Lorelei is there is to ask for money. And that's exactly what happens. And they're happy to pay for it because it's about Rory. Yes. And Rory's the baby. So baby can taken care of. But then Emily swoops in and she's like, we're done doing this shit. And I actually think that that's in Emily's cold, distant way. What mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. She wants her daughter and her granddaughter in her life. I think it's weird that it's taken her 15 years to get there. She wants
1: Lorelai and Rory in her life. I think that's understandable. I think that the way that this is coming about makes me uncomfortable. There is the idea that, oh, now that I'm helping you out financially, now you have to do what I want.
0: And that's exactly why Lorelai left in the first place. Exactly. It's the first time Emily had a chance to have a hold over Lorelai again. Did and she? I mean, she
1: jumped on it very oh, visibly. She was not even being subtle. Right. She, she, oh, had, she had the devious look. She was like, uh-huh. oh, well, we'll for Chilton. <laughs> But I want you to know that I know that you know that I'm going to make you pay for this Yep. (laughs) by coming to my house every Friday night. This is an aside, but why Fridays? Why not Thursdays or Wednesdays? People have plans on Fridays. That is something that always stood out to me in watching the show. Why do you insist on Fridays?
0: You wouldn't want to do it on a school night. And Saturday night would be even worse because you could have Saturday plans. We're doing this on Recurring. a Friday night. True, But we're in quarantine. We are we are locked down. This is a historical document. <laughs> um, I do think it's interesting, though, because clearly this has either happened before or Lorelai saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Because she goes so close. Here's another question
1: I have. How did you read Richard's tone when he was saying, you want money? It sounded kind of suspicious, maybe a bit. It didn't sound like he would be happy to help her
0: out. What are your thoughts on that? Richard is always a very stoic character. That's who he is. He knew what it was. Yes. That's the thing is that he's not getting emotional about it like Emily is. hmm Emily is seeing this as her chance to pounce. Richard is just calling a spade a spade. And I mean, he's going to get the checkbook because it's just like, this is what it is. He has a a little bit better grasp on reality than Emily does. Mm -hmm. And again, he's just more stoic. He is more, I understand how the world works. And this is how Lorelai works. He knows her pattern, meaning that she does not ask for anything, but she also doesn't come by. True. So if she comes by, she must be asking for something. What they have to offer is money. Also, if you're rich, isn't your mind just always revolving around your money? I wouldn't know. Presumably, yeah. I, I, like I don't, have, wrong, you're I don't have first-hand girl. experience. <laughs>
1: you were asking the wrong girl. I mean, I guess one thing I can appreciate about that is that he brought the conversation along. I mean, how long were Emily and Lorelai going to dance around each other before
0: bringing it up? Well, that's what I mean. That's exactly yeah. that's what he is. Luckily, you know, we see Richard... Develop as a character a little bit more, and we becomes very beloved. He's not very much beloved in this episode. In this particular moment, I was not yeah. feeling warm and cozy toward him at all. But you will. He's a grandpa. Now we're at Stars hollow High. What the hell is in Rory's locker? I don't think that is her d- stuff. I think
1: that's something that someone else put there before her, and she didn't bother to change it. <laughs> Because I saw, what was that, like a picture of like a dog with glasses? That
0: is a picture of the desert. And then in the foreground is a dog wearing sunglasses. That's not a Rory aesthetic. I don't think that's a Rory aesthetic. Not
1: at all. No, there's way too much joy and absurdity in
0: those images to be a Rory. Here's my second favorite quote of the episode. Yes. How do I look? Korean? Spitting image. (laughs) (laughs) Except for that you're not Korean, but other than that.
1: So Rory's cleaning out her locker. She's rhapsodizing to Lane about the fact that wearing uniforms will take energy away from people evaluating other people's fashion choices and divert that energy to learning. Even Lane has to admit that's a taking it a little bit far. She jokingly calls her Amish. Another example of Rory maybe being maybe taking herself just a little bit too seriously. Lane and Rory are talking. Lane has to leave to get ready for the hayride date. Rory drops all of her crap.
0: And then we have the meet
1: cute. Let's set, we have to set the tone. Oh my gosh. She's crouching to the floor. She's frantically gathering her belongings. And then suddenly a figure stands over her. And what does Rory do?
0: Makes a weird reference to a movie that I have not seen that a lot of other people have (laughs) seen. Rory says, you're just standing there like Ruth Gordon with a Tannis root, which is a reference to Rosemary's Baby, which is a movie I have seen a long time ago. It's a classic movie. I know
1: people have seen it. You know who else has seen it? Dean. Yeah, Dean has seen seen it it. because
0: she makes that very
1: long, chooses the most long winded way in in the world to say, get the fuck out of my way. And then Dean understands what she said, says Rosemary's Baby. Then she looks up and there he is. Cool teen himself. He's still got the leather jacket on, even though he's
0: inside. By the way, Dean is played by Jared Padalecki. Not the other guy. Dean Forster. And he is from Chicago. And you know, know, Chicago, the place that is Wendy and Oprah. Not Oprah anymore. Oprah's gone. She peaced out. She's gone. Is it ever clarified why they moved? No. I do know that his parents don't. Have very exciting careers, so it might be that his parents lost their jobs, Mm -hmm. or maybe they just retired a big city life. Maybe they had a family member who had a hook
1: up to a job. Maybe
0: their parents are from that part of Connecticut and they had to go take care of them. Like maybe his dad was old and put in a nursing home. There's got who knows. There's a whole other show that has not been made. (laughs) That
1: needs to be made to explain. Oh my gosh, spin off this particular transition. Yes, I spin off Dean's Chicago years. I have a feeling that's not a popular show idea.
0: I get the impression that Dean is not beloved by a lot or by most. I well, don't, maybe I'm wrong. That's something we'll talk about later. When I was Rory's age, oh
1: God, when I was Rory's age, I was so stupid. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's just point out for a moment that human brains don't fully develop in their, until they're 25. So inherently, all high schoolers are stupid. I was stupid. You were stupid. If you're mm-hmm. a high schooler listening out there, it's not personal, but you're stupid. And so is everybody else you know? Because again, your brains. Mm-hmm. So of course, when I was watching this for the first time, and even the first few years, you know, yeah. of this. Oh, Dean was dreaming. Pro Dean. Even, even throughout the show, Dean was just like a great boyfriend. But now I'm in my 30s. And the first thing I'm thinking is, what a fucking creep. Well, no,
1: here okay, here's thing one. He sees she dropped her shit. He walks up to her. Wanna help? <laughs> You're just lurking. Okay. And then he like compliments her film taste, which is probably a very benign thing to do. But now I'm thinking about it in like terms of like film bros. Anyway, Rory, she, you know, disoriented. Who is this, this foxy man who's not helping me pick up this shit, who has seen Rosemary's baby. Someone understands what I'm saying. Someone
0: understands me. I just certainly don't remember growing up and it being a thing. Thing. So, if it's something that she was introduced to because of her mom, mm-hmm. it's already been established that she can't relate to the other kids in Stars Hollow. You know, Rory has kind of been by herself with Lane because she is on another level, but now there's this new kid. Mm -hmm. Wait, is new kid on my level? Crap, now I'm leaving. Here's another thought I'm having.
1: How many people are moving to Stars Hollow? Not that many. So I wonder how many people she has met, like how many new students she has met, how many people within her town she has met who are
0: not from there.
1: Like, I'm wondering what her concept is of like, oh, this guy's from Chicago. Like, I wonder if that adds to his appeal. Oh, I
0: guarantee it. Cool city leather jacket guy. She's spitting
1: out words, Wendy, Oprah. Then she word vomits about how she has the same name as her mother, which is an interesting word vomit session because she's basically saying that her mother named her after herself to basically make a feminist statement. Also Lorelai is named after her grandmother. Interesting. I ordinarily don't have an opinion on this. I think in light of like the weird boundary stuff that we see, I think it's interesting that they have the same name. I don't know if I see it as purely like how that could be an illustration of her projecting herself onto Rory and how that could be a manifestation of their boundary issues.
0: Oh, you know what's funny? Yeah. Rory says, I never talk this much. Oh girl. That's the whole premise of this goddamn show. The entire show show
1: is you talking this much. (laughs) So Anyway, they they have some banter back and forth and he doesn't seem to be bothered by her awkwardness. He seems to be charmed by it, but cut the conversation short because daddy needs a job. He's got to look for a job. Thankfully, Rory can help because she knows everybody in this town, but you know who else knows everybody in this town? Miss Patty, Miss Patty, Ms. Porter, who is a former Broadway dancer and a current dance teacher who's <laughs> all but everybody's business and therefore would probably know who's hiring. Dean's like, yo, that's great advice. Maybe you can come. And
0: I will point out now Dean does pick up her box. You did eventually get there. Just but not away. until after he coerced her into following him. Oh, ooh, that's one way of seeing it. Hashtag Dean's a creep hashtag Oh, that that
1: becomes that becomes clear very shortly go to a second location with him before he helps her with her box so
0: again high schoolers if you're listening rule number one no second no second locations She's trying to bring up conversation. They pass a random cake shop. Not random. That's probably Wesson's Bakery that does appear later in the show.
1: That is not made clear at the time. Rory makes a few awkward statements asking him, does he like cake? These bakeries' cakes are particularly round. So it's awkward. Rory's not showing out very well at the beginning of this conversation, but that is okay because Dean's a little funky too. He asks her... How are you liking Moby Dick? First, she responds by saying, oh, well, you know, it's cliche that uh, Moby Dick is my first Melville. How often y'all talking about first Melville, second Melvilles? Does anyone remember their first Melville?
0: Well, I've never read Melville and I couldn't even tell you a title of any other Melville other than Moby Dick. It's
1: like a girl never forgets her first Melville. I'm like the worst English major in history. I got about a third of the way from what we did because I had to for a class. All I remember about it was there are some pretty serious homosexual overtones in the first part of the book, which I wish had lingered. All that to say that I never completed my first Melville. I don't know. But what we do know and what Rory soon discovers is wait,
0: how do you know what book I'm reading? Didn't we just meet? Because creepy hashtag creep He's not cool teen. He's creep teen. He has been watching her again though. At the time, we not only were we looking at it through teenage eyes, but we were looking at it through teenage circa 2000 eyes 15 years before the me too movement very
1: interesting because like when you're at an impressionable age like the things that you watch on television are kind of providing the script to you
0: about what love looks like what healthy relationships look like also it helps that dean is super cute it does help yeah. if he was if he was ugly rory would have been running away already it all yeah. depends on attraction
1: this worked out in his favor he is cute so it's not as frightening that he is, been quote unquote noticing her for some time. And oh, what's also interesting is that one of the things that he's attracted to about Rory is the fact that she doesn't notice what's going on around her.
0: No, that's not why. He likes that she's intense, that she's very passionate about reading and knowledge and work. And I guess. Because he specifically says it's not because you're vapid. It's because he probably has never seen a girl read that intensely before. I guess I haven't seen a girl read that. Or a person, not a girl specifically.
1: Fine, Dean, fine. We see Lai and Rory back at Luke's diner this time at night. They are about to eat what looks like a very delicious repast. from where I'm sitting, which is actually just hamburger and fries, but it's week five million of quarantine and I'm tired of eating noodles. So it looks like a very delicious meal. Luke, of course, nagging their food choices, saying that red meat will kill them, which it might, but lay off, it's been a long week, Luke. She informs Rory that, that her skirt is done being hemmed and that they're going to be going to have dinner at the grandparents' house on Friday night. Rory is not into that. And she doesn't think she wants to go to Chilton. And also, she might have had plans Friday night. She, did Laura even think about asking her what she had going on?
0: First of all, parents don't ask their children. Children ask permission. She doesn't have a driver's license yet. True. Or she shouldn't because she, she is does. not 16, by the way. She is not 16 yet. In the straight up like bitch talk. I remember, yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember mm-hmm. the first time I accidentally slipped, mm-hmm. sweared uh-huh. in front of my parents. Not even two, just in front of? No, not two, just in front of. We, I was with my best friend Amber. We were walking into the Renaissance Festival together. Mm-hmm. I accidentally said shit. <laughs> and then what? I got, I got a. I got some stuff happened, but oh, okay. believe me, I knew that the hammer was coming down. It, that was not allowed in my house.
1: Well, definitely. I mean, cussing was not allowed in my house. If I had like even implied to my mother that she was a a bitch, that would just have not, I wouldn't be here today. This was just a, yeah, a very intense moment. And yeah, Rory's just super ambivalent. She doesn't want to go to Chilton anymore. She seems to have no concept of what- and We know why,
0: but yeah. Lorelai doesn't oh, know why. Totally.
1: And it seems like the first time that they're
0: not understanding each other. I don't know. And then it's because they're both holding on to a secret and they're kind of holding on to, it's like a pivotal secret. It's a pivotal, it's pivotal for Rory because it's like, she's never really been into a guy before. And a guy's never been into her her before. So she has no idea how to handle it emotionally. Yeah. Lorelai has never had to depend on her parents in yeah. her adult life. She's trying to keep that information from Rory. She's trying to keep it under the radar. So they both had a very um, difficult emotional pivot day. And they neither of them felt like they could lean on the other. Yeah, because they had to keep both secret. Yes. Secret secrets are no fun. Secret no. secrets hurt someone. That's a quote from the office. Anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> Alright, so after kerfuffling between the two of them, they run out of Luke's. They walk past Miss Patty's dance studio. And here we have Miss Patty. Oh my gosh, Miss Patty. She's played by Liz Torres. She's amazing. Fun fact Liz Torres started off as a comedian and singer with her good friend, Bette Midler. Everybody. Oh, yeah. But I love Miss Patty, even though she does make a kind creepy joke about dean being attractive but like that's miss patty's thing is she's just like you go girl it's i don't really think she's saying that i think she,
1: i read it more as like that statement was being made from yeah. the perspective of, of
0: rory there is a moment that happens later in the show about like keeping miss patty away from dean which oh. is also creepy We'll we'll talk about it when we get there we know that Miss Patty loves men. She used to be a hot thing back when she was she's younger. She's still a hot thing. She's still a hot thing. Girl, that outfit was amazing. She's wearing velvet. She's got this gold jewelry on. She has like a cane and her long cigarette. I and mean, like, she's, And the way she ugh. carried
1: herself and her hair like flowed back in a very oh, specific yeah.
0: way. Yeah, she's she's hot. Yeah,
1: yeah. She, she is hot. She's hot. She's hot and she is cool. Um, who is not cool right now is Lorelai or Rory.
0: So what do you think about Rory not wanting to go to Chilton all of a sudden because of Dean?
1: Obviously it's a terrible idea. I, I can understand where, you know, If when I was that age yeah,
0: I can see myself. We what? have to remember what it was like yeah. to have a teenage brain. Yeah.
1: I mean, right now I'm having a moment of compassion. It's understandable. It's incredibly immature. To be fair, she is not aware of all the extenuating circumstances behind her being able to go to chilton that's another moment of dramatic irony that
0: and that's why lorelei's taking it so personally lorelei literally did the one thing she told herself she would never do
1: well that's one reason she's taking it personally but she's also taking it personally because she's projecting her own past mistakes onto rory of course she was a teenage mother now she sees rory expressing attraction to a young man and she's threatened by it
0: so Miss Patty mentions that she has a job for Dean and to let him know. And Lorelai's like, excuse me? And then Rory runs. Male friend. A human male. So Rory runs ahead and Lorelai says, you gotta be like freaking Flojo to get away from me. Now I have never known what that reference was. You, know, you didn't know
1: who Flojo was? No. No. Listeners, what? listeners, I knew a reference that Rachel did not know. <laughs> Flo Joe is an African American runner,
0: one of the best runners. No, yes, the fastest woman in the world.
1: Uh, okay, fine
0: fine. I don't think her record has been broken. Really? I don't think so. When I was looking it up because I wanted to look up the reference and I did not see anything about her record being broken. She was a very, very fast runner who tragically died young. Her full name is Florence Dolores Joyner. And yes, she is an amazing African-American athlete. She has been tagged as the fastest woman in history.
1: Rory's not going to beat that, which is unfortunate because Lorelai's pissed
0: back to the Gilmore Girls' house and they're very mad. Rory's pissed, Lorelei's pissed. Rory goes into her room, Lorelai walks in and she does change her tone. She's trying to connect with Rory. She's like, listen, okay, I'm calm. Let's just talk about this, but I'm asking you to please talk about this. with me. Rory refuses because Rory is 15 years old and this is her emotional state. This is not surprising. This is very normal, but Lorelai did try, but it was kind of too late. Rory just had some very delicate information about herself shared also. And this is
1: not relevant, but it was very upsetting is that Rory... Puts her boots on the bed. <laughs> the bed. And then that takes them off. off. Yeah. yeah, gross. That's nasty. And Rory, to try to escape the conversation, says, I'm going to sleep. And then she proceeds to pull out a book that looks like Moby Dick. That was the only use that I found for Moby Dick was as a sleeping aid. So that's understandable to
0: me. This is also the scene where we hear for the very first time that Lorelai had Rory at 16. That's actually not brought up before this moment. But we do find out that Lorelai had Rory at 16. Mm -hmm. And that Lorelai does not want Rory to repeat her mistake. She understands that you can like a guy. And she was like, yeah, I get it. I like guys, too. And I do appreciate that Lorelai is totally real with her daughter. Yeah. Like, listen, this is a part of being a cis woman who is attracted to men. This is a part about being a human being. is having a crush. We get it. But you have to do this because it is more important. Rory doesn't respond to that conversation because she, again, is 15. So Lorelai finally uses her motherliness and is just being a mom and says, no, you're going. I don't know what it's like to be a mother or have a young mother, Mm -hmm. but it's got to be hard because you missed so much. And so it's not surprising that Lorelai constantly projects onto Rory. She doesn't give Rory the space to go in a different direction. It makes sense.
1: Rory's young. Sex is cool. You know, it's understandable. After the fight, she leaves the room. Finally, Rory can have her own space. She turns on the CD player. What's in the CD Cute I try. Which is the ultimate post fight song and just the ultimate song for every occasion, all occasions.
0: If Lorelai had Rory's Macy Gray CD. Girl, I
1: was going there.
0: Like maybe they made a copy and she took Rory's CD again for her Discman and then gave it back to her and then had like- Why are the there tape? two
1: Macy Gray CDs in two different rooms of the house queued up at the same track at the same time?
0: ready to go. Maybe in the living room when Lorelai turned it on, maybe that was a tape recording that Roy had made for her. Like a bootleg? Yeah.
1: thing is, if you're serious about Macy Gray and about authenticity and good music, you gotta have that ready to go at all (laughs) occasions. And I think this is going to trigger a Macy Gray listening session for me tomorrow. What could be better? Immediately after Macy Gray, we have yet another hard cut to Suki's kitchen of madness. We now see Suki expressing what a appears to be contrition. Her head is in her hand. Behind her is a smoky stove, which appears to be out of commission. Panning out, we see Lorelai filling out paperwork with some kind of authority figure. We are seeing that the stove is ruined and it's all Suki's fault. And Lorelai definitely looks like she has to go through this on a regular basis. In fact, she was so upset afterward and you would think immediately oh she's mad because we have to buy a new stove yet Um, again probably but no it appears that she's still just really upset about the fight rory comes in and she's sitting
0: in michelle's chair i mean i guess she's working why is she there this scene confused me a little bit Lorelai lets her come in and do some part-time work for some extra cash. Nepotism, as we call it. Yeah. And so she wanted to offer it. It kind of feels like this is a Friday, but Rory's not in school because she's not going to Star's Hollow anymore. Remember, she cleaned out her locker the day before. That makes sense. So she has today off. That makes sense. So Lorelai's probably giving her the opportunity, probably as an olive branch also. She's Mm -hmm, trying to smooth things over. She says, and you're not going to give me the Mommy Dearest treatment. I'm sure you remember when I forced you to watch Mommy Dearest with Oh, is me. that
1: the one where there's like this Hollywood star and she, Joan Crawford? Joan Crawford, yeah. Who was yep. um,
0: abusive to her daughter? Very much so. Yes. Okay. No wire hangers oh, ever. ever.
1: How could I forget that? <laughs> How did I forget that?
0: I don't know. It's I'm, sure, my I'm sure it
1: was buried somewhere in my subconscious room. I do appreciate that Suki she does seem to understand the gravity of her issues in the kitchen I may be giving a little
0: bit of softness here Suki maybe well maybe this is where maybe S- this Suki is a has point. her turning point maybe this is
1: a turning point for her maybe
0: she's like crap I blew up my stove that I love and I'm, rock I'm now causing my best friend a lot of problems maybe I should cut the shit and not be so horrible and stupid and ignorant of my staff
1: Yeah. maybe this was her rock bottom you're Right, Maybe this was, we have witnessed a rock bottom here today.
0: So after shooing Rory home, because she was being a little bee, Mm -hmm. uh, cut to, they're at the parents' house. We see that they're in the driveway again. There's a couple of references I want to point out in this very quick scene. Number one, Rory says, are we going to go in or are we going to reenact the little match girl? I had no idea what that reference was, so I looked it up. The little match girl is a fairy tale about an orphan girl selling matches on the street. And while she looks into windows of happy families around a warm fire, eating together and being happy, she freezes to death. Oh, wow. Thank you, Hans Christian Andersen. Oh, God. The second one is when Lorelai says, listen, I know that we're warring right now, but you have to be cool through this dinner. And then on the way home, you can pull a Menendez. hmm this is a shout out to my murderinos out there we all know what that reference is that is in reference to the menendez brothers who of course famously killed their parents took the insurance money and went on a shopping spree what did they buy i don't know a bunch of bullshit probably because they're pieces of shit they ring the doorbell
1: and emily opens the door this time wearing what is my favorite top of the episode dude she looks hot she looks fabulous we have a dark, it's like a slate gray satin blouse. Yeah, it's hot. With like, I want to wear that. Like, it's like a three strings of pearls oh, like around yeah. her collarbone. And a
0: beautiful long skirt. She looks fabulous. Ooh, chef's kiss. Well, I guess the most important detail of this scene is that Rory is tall. 5'7". I'm 5'7". Is that tall? I don't know. I'm 5'4". So you feel tall to me. Okay, we're tall.
1: They're in the dining room to find out that Richard is in the insurance biz, which is why he's so rich.
0: No, that's not why. They inherited their money. Whatever. But yeah, so they are in the dining room. People die, we pay. They're kind of trying, but it's hard. I feel like Emily's doing okay.
1: Who is this tech bro named Christopher who we're
0: bringing up? Rory's father, whose tech startup is about to go public. He also impregnated another teenager and then took off to California and doesn't take care of his daughter. Richard doesn't hold back. He uses it as a way to slate Lorelai yet again, but does compliment Rory in the process.
1: Confounds me that he would
0: have that response. And I, like you said, why would he be siding with Christopher?
1: Lorelei's pissed. Storms out and she says, I'm going to get a Coke or a knife, which is now the second time that we've heard and or seen Lorelai express knives as her primary weapon of choice. I'm keeping my eye on that.
0: Well, Emily follows Lorelai into the kitchen. To try to calm her down. We finally find out the whole backstory. That's pretty cool that they put this in the pilot because yeah. now you know right up front everything that comes after this can revolve around this. We understand where everybody's coming from now. We understand where Emily and Richard are coming from. We understand where Lorelai is coming from. Probably how Rory feels too. Like Rory knows that she was born, you know, yeah. the way she was. So that's not nothing. And so we know that Christopher and Lorelai were both 16 when they got pregnant and she had Rory and then she took Rory away from the house and started her own life. We don't have the details, but we know about it. And they have a fight. Unfortunately, they don't understand how voice volume and (laughs) houses work. And insulation and wall thickness. (laughs) So Rory hears that Lorelai had to go to them to ask for the money for Chilton. I do want to give props to Alexis Bledel in that scene because the way her face looks, it's very good face acting.
1: I'm very interested in learning more about what drove Lorelai to make the decisions that she did. After she became pregnant with Rory, it would have been so easy to accept help at that time. I mean, it's already so difficult to start your own life and to break away from your parents, which I'm assuming is something that she already would have wanted to do. So to have that, you know, to have that pregnancy, which, you know, represents a significant obstacle towards doing that, the fact that she still took the opportunity and was able to create a life for herself, starting where she did was is very impressive to me but i am also curious to learn more about why she
0: was not willing to accept any help from them even at that point we find out in later episodes that rory was probably about one or one and a half Mm -hmm. when lorelei took her out of the house and ran away to stars hollow she did not have a plan when she did that she literally went to the inn and begged for a job But I'm going to have to assume simply because I was that type of teenager. I did not have a baby, but I certainly was very emotional and was like, I'll leave. I'm getting out of here. But if you are just this very certain type of person, I am not like my parents at all. No, I am very loud and independent. And I have my own thoughts and voice and they've never died with my parents. It doesn't mean my parents are bad people. It means that we are very different. And that did cause a lot of trouble. Especially with communication and with understanding each other. And I am still that way. I'm the only person that left Michigan. All my other sisters live (laughs) near where we grew up. You know, that's kind of how I always was. And so I definitely understand Lorelai's mindset. She has a baby and she just wants to be her own version of what she wants to be as a mother. She wants to raise her daughter the way she wants to raise her daughter. And she knows she cannot do that in that
1: house. That's very interesting that you frame it like that, because it didn't even occur to me to think that, oh, Lorelai made that decision for Rory. It kind of gives a little bit more understanding about why she feels so enmeshed with Rory's. Definitely adds a lot of definition to her character that I really like. Also, it's really frustrating when somebody does or says something really unkind or insensitive to you, and then you are accused of being dramatic. Oh, what is not what's that's so annoying. What's not to understand, Emily, you know, what was said, and you're going to put it on her for being dramatic instead of on him for being
0: bluntly rude. I mean, it's all about perspective. Emily lives with Richard. She's not going to think that about her husband. It's going to seem totally normal to her. And she also probably agrees. You know, in this episode, they don't have that relationship and they have not had that Since she left their house at probably 17 or 18. Which it was not a high point for their relationship then. The way their relationship ended with her leaving the house versus how it was very distant for all of Rory's life. And now suddenly it's just snapped back into the life this is just who he is and this is how he feels. Oh. Who
1: he is is mean and his feeling toward that is mean.
0: I'm not saying it's They're good. Totally, at, yeah, I'm know. just saying, I think that that's, we can explain Richard's character evolving because of that relationship evolving.
1: Now we are in the final scene of the episode. Lorelai and Rory are once again going into Luke's diner, but before they enter, Lorelai and Rory have a brief conversation where it is made clear that Rory did in fact hear the entire argument and knows about Lorelai's arrangement with her parents
0: they're sitting down they're smiling and then we see luke's belt well i didn't even notice his belt oh, well my point is okay, that it okay. zooms in on his belt and oh. then pans up a little bit to his face and i have to wonder is this moment in this show encouraging the female gay interesting yeah because that's something that happens to women a lot they pan from feet to top like to show off legs or to show off a dress And that doesn't happen very often with men, but I just think that that's pretty interesting. I did not
1: even notice that. I did notice that he came over the table and that he was not wearing his normal plaid and T-shirt, but he was wearing a button-down, and Lorelai was
0: digging that. So here's a fun fact. Scott Patterson was only hired for the show for a couple episodes. We're talking one or two episodes, and they decided to write him into the show longer simply because of how amazing the chemistry was between Scott and Lauren. You know, they realized pretty quickly, well, this is pretty good. And so they did change that around.
1: After Luke and Lorelai intensely eye-fuck each other, almost prompting me to leave the room to give them privacy, Rory does confirm to her mother that she will in fact be attending Chilton. Thank God. But now tell me more about this um, guy that you're seeing, Rory. Rory's not interested in that. (laughs) And Rory says the magical
0: word, I think I've already said it.
1: Boundaries. Boundaries.
0: I just want to give props to the casting director because in that moment, I believe that they're related.
1: What time of night is it and why are they ordering coffee?
0: Dude, it's got to be like 9 or 10 at night.
1: What's going on?
0: Because dinner was at 7 and it was in Hartford, which as we know from Rory is 30 minutes away.
1: Without traffic. What well, I really appreciated about how they ended this at the beginning of the episode, Lorelai is sitting at that very table alone, and she's accosted by creepy Joey. And then at the end of the episode, she's at the very same table with her beloved daughter. Um, well,
0: I'm glad that you mentioned that. I want you to hold that in your memory. I'm not going to give anything, but just promise me that you will. I, I promise. Just I remember will. that pan out of coming out of the restaurant and them sitting together, is mother that- and daughter. As they pan out, they play the song Little Corner of the World by Yola Tango.
1: Wonderful ending to the first
0: episode. Now on to the arts and entertainment shelf. This is the segment where I talk about and list all of the books, movies, television, and music reference that they make in each episode. The books mentioned and referenced in this episode are On the Road by Jack Kerouac, Moby Dick by Herman Melville, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, Little Match Girl, a fairy tale from Hans Christian Andersen, and Madame Bovary by Gustave Flaubert. Have you ever read any of those books?
1: Let's see. You know, I feel like I've read some Kerouac in a class. It was not
0: for me. Yeah, I've read on the road, but even then I was bored. I was pretty bored by it. (laughs) I I don't know what that says about me. Um, It means that I don't really care what men think. I don't.
1: Yeah, I was going to make a pun about Kerouac. (laughs) I don't care about Kerouac. uh, Moby Dick, I've already stated that I started it and did not finish it. Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, I started that. I could not finish it because of um, liberal use of the N-word. Madame Bovary, I have not. I think I started reading like, the first few pages and then I set it down and then I never picked it up. But I don't think I had not I don't think I wasn't enjoying it. I think I just got distracted.
0: And have you ever heard of The Little Match Girl before? I had not yeah, heard of either. The Little Match Girl. On to music. There she goes by The Laws. I try by Macy Gray, My Little Corner of the World, Yola Tango. And then, of course, we have the song by Sam Phillips. She pop that her song pops up a couple times. I discussed how she's going to be the musician, pretty much the show musician throughout the series. And then, of course, an m&m reference, which we talked about earlier. Oh, and Britney Spears. I've already expressed my feelings
1: on Britney Spears. Macy Gray, we already went there. And then the other songs, I did not know. But I do know who Yola Tango is. I made it sound like I don't know who Yola Tango is. I do. I just didn't know that particular song.
0: Movies referenced in this episode are Rosemary's Baby and Mommy Dearest. As we stated, Rachel did force me to watch Mommy Dearest. I have seen both of these movies. I barely remember Rosemary's Baby. I was too young when I watched it. Thanks, older sisters. But I definitely... I. <laughs> Look, I like Mommy Dearest. It has one of my all-time favorite lines of a movie where she's in the board meeting and she goes, Don't fuck with me, fellas. This ain't my first rodeo. Well, that's been our pilot episode of the Gilmore Girls podcast, Welcome to Stars Hollow. Thank you so much to everybody who listened in today. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Or we'll hear you next time. This has been Welcome to Stars Hollow, the podcast. For more episodes, make sure to subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. For extra fun, find us on Instagram at, at StarsHollowPod.